Call or text The Ron Show anytime at 404-919-2725. The Ron Show on America One Radio. So in the last few days, I have said that the one thing that seems to be a drag on what has otherwise been, I think, a fantastic first year for Mayor Andre Dickens' administration has been the whole Cop City thing. The Atlanta Police Training Facility has been scrutinized a lot. Well, a lot on this show over the last couple of weeks, but since at least what, last summer, summer 2021, actually, when the city announced their plans for the property that they own in Southwest DeKalb County. Earlier this week, we had Commissioner Ted Terry on, who serves as the uh, commissioner for that area of DeKalb County. <laughs> he said he was kind of thrown for a loop when this press conference was announced between the mayor and the CEO of DeKalb County to announce their partnership and agreement to move forward because he had no idea about it. And that's kind of the problem. They had an open comment period for 17 and a half hours over a 30-day period. More than 70% of those who spoke up were opposed to it. Residents are opposed to it. Nearby neighbors are opposed to it. And yet there just doesn't seem to be any concern that there's so much opposition from uh, a community standpoint, from an environmental standpoint, et cetera, and so on. Nonetheless, uh, Mayor Dickens got a boost in the form of an open letter from the Atlanta for Progress Committee, this letter written to city residents. Now, the Atlanta for Progress Committee uh, is a coalition of uh, some of the business elites, uh, some civic leaders. And, and of course, oh, it, I guess it bears mentioning he's on the board. <laughs> the mayor's on the board for the Atlanta Committee for Progress. Anyway, a ACP released this letter to the citizens of Atlanta. Now, the letter doesn't really dive so much, as far as we can tell, into the Atlanta Police Training Facility debate, but they're just kind of touting the mayor's accomplishments. Importantly, Mayor Dickens has re-energized the collaboration with state leaders, including Governor Brian Kemp, Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, and Speaker of the House Johns Byrne, according to the letter. We are encouraged that those in the state capitol and city hall are working together to address the most serious problems we face. Our public leaders are focused on what unites, not what divides. Cool letter, and I don't disagree with the sentiment. I'm just saying he's on the board. The call is coming from inside the house. So I want to talk a little bit about the accident uh, middle of last month in Athens involving two recruiting analysts, two football players, one of the analysts, one of the players passing in that accident. athens Clark County Police has never really pulled any punches when it comes to the athletic department. If an athlete runs afoul of the law, the athlete gets the full brunt of the judicial system and the cops are not ones for letting folks off the hook just because they're a star player on whatever athletic team for the University of Georgia. However, there seems to be some oddities involving this deadly car accident. The AJC is reporting that a middle-of-the-night telephone call alerted the athens Clark police chief to the car accident and that the police chief, Jerry Salters, relayed this information uh, to a police dispatcher that Bryant Gant, who is on the coaching staff, is on his way out there. That's what the police chief said around 3.10 a.m. January 15th, a little less than half an hour after the crash. He told the dispatchers, this is according to the AJC, to let officers know Gant was coming, quote, so they can talk with him and kind of tell him what's going on. The dispatcher asks the police chief, and he does what exactly? The chief said he takes care of all players' relations stuff. 
He'll be out so they can talk to him. Now, as the AJC writes, Gant's presence at the scene and his access to police investigators raises questions about the independence of an inquiry into a crash that exposed the blurred lines between the university's football staff and its football players. The investigation's integrity is particularly important as the university contends with potential liability in the deaths of two young people and injuries to two others. I'll share that piece in today's show notes, as well as this from the Associated Press, Alana Durkin-Richer and Colleen Long, along with Michael Kunzelman from the Associated Press, seem to notice that there's a bit of a changing of the tune when it comes to some January 6th defendants who initially expressed remorse in court for participating in that pro-Trump mob that stormed the Capitol, but are now either downplaying it or unapologizing altogether. Wow. And then, of course, you have Georgia's very own Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is advocating for those still imprisoned, bless their hearts, for the treatment that they're getting while they are still tied up in the judicial process. Mm. It looks like we may be getting ranked choice in Georgia. There is a bill coming through the Georgia House that would allow cities to hold elections with ranked choice voting, eliminating runoffs at the local level. You know what? That's not a bad idea. Let's at least kind of give folks a taste of what ranked choice would be like and start at uh, a a less uh, impactful, I guess, position. I'm saying, I'm not saying that local elections aren't impactful. I'm just saying they're not as impactful as state legislative and uh, U.S. Senate, House seats, things of that nature. Give folks an idea of what ranked choice works like, how it feels, and see if it's something to grow from there. I think that's actually a good way to to approach the uh, ranked choice scenario. We know that uh, Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, has been looking to eliminate runoffs in the state of Georgia, if at all possible. We did have two Senate runoffs uh, uh, scenarios. Well, actually, three Senate runoffs, but two runoff elections, one in 2020, the other in 2022, in which case John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock won their Senate seats. So it's incumbent upon the state to find out if something like rank choice might be palatable. I've gone on record. I like rank choice. And while some uh, of the third party advocates, notably the Libertarian Party, may be against it, I actually think it makes it more likely that folks who would maybe be swayed to voting Libertarian would actually do so the first time out. Like, I actually think their results, at least on the first ballot run through of a rank choice election would see better numbers because you got to think a lot of people walk into the to the to the polling place into the the election booth thinking I got to vote for the person most likely to win that closer resent, uh, represents my ideals than voting for the person that actually just closely represents my ideals. Does that make sense? Like usually a libertarian might vote for a Republican knowing the libertarian doesn't have a chance in hell in winning, but in this case in rank choice at least you know you can vote for the libertarian on principle. And then on the second wave ballot, you could vote for the Republican. By the way, this is a bipartisan proposal. So I'm, I'm kind of encouraged by this. All right, coming up next, we have uh, Julie Balke joining us. She is the founder and chief career strategist with the Balke Group, her firm helping people land their dream jobs. 16 years in HR. She's got some familiarity with the job hunt. She's also the author of the book, Stop Peeing on Your Shoes, Avoiding the Seven Mistakes That Screw Up Your Job Search. She's on with us to talk about the January jobs numbers and more. More Ron Show on America One Radio next. 